0: And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. And a two-two. He blew him away. Ninety-nine. Two down. Back-to-back K's. And he struck him out. Came back with a swifty at ninety-eight. Still so looking for another whiff. Valencia. Down on strikes. So there's nine
2: for the left-hander. I'm rambling on, and yeah. I don't mean to, but uh, we wish Danny well. <laughs> we
3: do. Uh, Chris Sale will be pitching against <laughs> the Twins tonight. I'm sorry, that sound
1: always going to get me.
3: <laughs> uh, last year, Chris Sale struck out 308 in 214 in the third innings. Oh, my. He uh, walked, uh, how many did he walk? Wait, where the hell's the walks? 308 strikeouts, 43 walks. That's a very fine. <laughs> that's not per- bad. You know, we call that efficient. That's a very fine percentage. And he didn't win the Cy Young Award, uh, which uh, really uh, tells you that it, w- it was difficult to win last year. 290 ERA. Somehow, the uh, Twins... Beat him. What was about four or five years ago? And they were terrible. They beat him like six times, right? Yeah. Wasn't he one and five? Couldn't beat him anybody else but him. He's uh, ninety-seven and sixty-two for his career. Who did win the war where year? I was year? just going to. Why I can't was just I think gonna think ask? Of that? Uh, Verlander. Who was?
1: It? Oh, Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber. Yeah, Kluber. Okay. Yeah, that's tough to and argue. Was, Corey was. I actually
3: good. put sale. I had the MVP ballot, even though I probably would have voted for Kluber. As the uh Say Young Award winner, I put Sale fifth and Kluber sixth because mm. I think Sale that Red Sox team last year didn't hit. Yeah, you're right. No, they didn't yeah. hit and he finished uh seventeen and eight for him.
1: Remember who he, finished seventh last year? Who who? Irvin.
3: Irvin. Irv. Santana well, finished. Irv had a, he had, good good had a good year. Uh Irvin had a good year. But anyway. Sorry. Uh this year six and four, two seventy five ERA. And uh, how many strikeouts? We got 129 strikeouts in 95 innings. So uh, if he gets back up there at uh, to uh, 214, he'll he'll be right there again. Yeah, That's a lot of strikeouts. He's good. He's well. He's and he's the funkiest guy of all time. <laughs> you know what I don't re- didn't realize until I was reading up on him today. You know where he pitched? Florida Gulf Coast University. We were down there, and when I was down there in Fort Myers, oh, yeah, I could really? have went over and saw him pitch. He was pitching for right, right there, right there in Fort Myers, Florida Gulf Coast University. He's from Lakeland, home of the Tigers, and uh, ended up at Florida Gulf Coast and uh, now, he's just he, had a fantastic career.
4: Now, I know he's he's a little on the taller side. He's, what, 6'5", 6'6", something mm-hmm. like that. Was he playing basketball at Florida, Florida Gulf Coast? No, I don't believe What did we call them? Lob say. City? What was their nickname? Uh, Dunk, were, City. Dunk City. Dunk City, I think City. it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. when Andy uh, Enfeld.
3: Dunk City. But uh, it's uh, Chris Sale tonight, just a fantastic uh,
4: You know what's amazing about career.
3: his
1: career, too? His numbers are fantastic, but with that delivery, he's never had arm trouble. He's re- remained pretty healthy throughout his, his career. He 28, 29. His starts yeah.
3: have been, here, let me find his age. I got it right here. Uh, uh, 330, 1989, so he just turned 29. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. And uh, he's made, uh, since he became a uh, regular in 2012, he's made 29, 30, 26, 31, 32, 32, and he'll, he's on pace to make 30-some again this year. He's pitched uh, 192, 214, 174, 208, 226, 214, 95. They they were talking about him uh, throwing 99, and he's always throwing hard, but I was uh, having lunch with Mr. Baseball Saturday, my son, Christopher, and remember, he is of the belief that uh, we are getting these fantastic, Uh, velocity readings from everybody because they are measuring the speed. You know, it used to be they measured it closer to the pitcher, you know, closer to the catcher. Okay. It was further down and they changed the gun now and it's almost out of the hand. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And and when you see a guy the other night, for instance, I was watching uh, Waka and they had him at 96. He was never a ninety six. No, guy. he was a ninety three, ninety four guy with a lot of movement. I think he might be right because I think you know, hundred.
1: You know, all of a sudden, guys going one hundred and four. Why would Presley's. we have changed that? I mean, I, I did not know no, that. I, I find I, that I, interesting. Th- I
3: think what they're doing is looking for peak speed. What was the? F- it's not how fast it is when it gets to home plate. It's how, how fast. fast it is. What is the fastest speed it attained? on the way to the plate. Hm.
4: Uh,
3: so there is uh, a is
1: that I guess my question then is that is that a marketing thing? Are we so that way we can show the higher velocities when
3: we're on TV? Maybe they think it's more legitimate. I I don't okay. know. I don't know, but uh because it probably doesn't make any difference where you attain that speed. It's the if if it's if it's only if it's only 96 when it arrives at the plate and you released it and it was 98. It's still getting to the plate. It's still how long it takes to get it to the plate. Right. It doesn't make any difference what the speed was at the time of arrival. Right. You know? But so, like with a guy like
4: Fernando Rodney, then who's forty-one yeah, he's and he's still throwing 90, ninety-ninety-five, might
3: be ninety-two, right? Or three. Okay. You know? I mean, I just wonder if that's if he might be if Chris might be right cause hmm. he, that's uh, interesting. I hadn't that thought of interesting. That. Uh, he's a math guy too. Yeah, you know? he could he ever got in a contest with Joe, it wouldn't last It wouldn't last long. It wouldn't last long. <laughs> It'd be a first-round knockout. And you know where that kid's roti- uh, math skills come from rotisserie baseball when he was about seven. See, that's the yeah, way to do that's it. That's right. Don't pay that much attention to school. No. Play, uh, baseball cards, play, man. Uh, Let's go. Play rotisserie baseball with your buddies and you you can become a math
1: 2012, teams. by the way, he became a full-time starter with the White Sox. Since then, every year, he has finished in the top six in Cy Young voting. Woo. Every single He's
3: good. year. There's nothing, I think, in life, if I was left-handed, that I would rather not do. Then face him. Oh, God. (laughs) just, come on. No shot. You know, we talk about shifts and everything. Let's say you got to have a a smooth release. You can't do all this crap. It's too, it's it's too too, funky. It's too frightening. (laughs) We'll be back. This is The Ride with Roycey. I see it as a car crash. I'm rubbernecking. <laughs> on 1500 ESPN, part of a murderer's row of ball talk. Play ball. Here's legendary pitcher and broadcaster Jim Cott
1: up. on The Ride with Royce.
3: Jim Cott, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, Patrick. June 19th, 1962, Jim Cott hits his first Major League home run. Who'd you hit it off? Dominic Zanny. Dominic Zanny. I hardly remember him. Where was he from? Where was he with? Who was well, he with? He,
2: he was with the White Sox. Okay. All right. And I used Don Mincher's bat, T one twelve, and Minch said, "Look, when he gets behind in the count, look for a fastball." Uh-huh. And I think the count went to three and one or three and two, and I got a nice fastball there. It was in old Comiskey Park, and uh, somehow or other found the barrel of the bat the way it
3: went. Well, okay, so uh, where you, did you pull it? Must have pulled it, huh? I
2: did. Right center field. Well, that Somewhere was... Somewhere out over that uh, three... I think it was 375 to right center, you know, Comiskey.
3: You were a good hitter, though, but you didn't You didn't worry about power. You were worried about uh, hitting something that would drop, huh?
2: Well, uh, Johnny Sane, and of course, in 62, when I hit that, was before Johnny Sane, but mm-hmm. even Eddie Lopat uh, was our pitching coach, and their theory before the DH was try to be responsible for one run a game as a pitcher. Uh, mm-hmm. Bun a man over, hit a sacrifice, fly, steal a base, dock a run in, whatever. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of blowback from people that say, ah, you wasted time with the pitcher hitting, and let's go to the universal DH. But our goal was to always try to be a better hitter than the opposing pitcher because that gave you an advantage and that's why I kind of I kind of like the game better without the DH.
3: And uh that early Twins pitching staff uh, here in Minnesota, Pedro Ramos was a good hitter and I think Camilo
2: was okay, wasn't he? Well, Camilo hit a grand slam. Uh Jim Perry was a good yeah. hitter, Boswell was a good hitter. <laughs> oh, we was had, he? A, we I had a good Yeah, I I would say one year we may have had I don't know six to ten home runs from our pitching staff um, and, and a lot of a lot of good hits. We had a we had a, a pitching staff that could hit rather well.
3: And and then of course Dean Chance came along and ruined that. Yeah, <laughs> he was, right? he was yeah. one of the, he's one of the five worst of all time. I think he was horrible.
2: Yeah, Dino Dino gave us as great a pitcher as he was. He gave. Us pitchers, a uh, a bad rap as being non-athletes. <laughs> and he was, you know, Dino was a great high school basketball yes, player. Yes, he was, but he could not hit at yeah. all.
3: Could he bunt? I can't even, could he lay down a bunt or not? I can't
2: I even remember. remember. I don't remember. I mean, in those days, if you couldn't bunt, I mean, they made you keep bunting until you learned how to bunt.
3: Yeah, that's true. Well, that's... Uh that's fantastic. And, of course, you still are the last Twins pitcher to hit a home run. And, uh, well, that's nineteen seventy
2: two. game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: 1972. Uh, so Chris Sayles pitching here again tonight, pitching tonight for the Red Sox against the uh, Twins. Being a left-handed hitter against him can't be any fun, Jim.
2: Or even a right-hand hitter. I mean, uh, yeah, right. I love Chris Sale. I, I see a lot of Red Sox games because I get their network up here in Vermont. And he, uh, you know what's so unique about Chris is he keeps it so simple. Um, he doesn't go to the pitchers' meetings where they, you know, we used to call them scare the pitchers' meetings, where <laughs> when you came out of there you thought, well, where am I going to throw the ball? Yeah. Every every place you think of, they say, well, you can't pitch him here, you can't pitch him there. And the other thing Chris does is he never shakes off his catcher. Mm-hmm. He just says, "Well, you know, if he feels it's the best pitch, he has complete confidence in the catcher, as say Steve Carlton did with Tim McCarver." And then I think Chris's mindset is: if I throw the pitch he wants, the catcher calls, and I execute it, they're not going to hit it anywhere. So he's he's uh, he's all about executing what he has. And his stuff is so good with that uh, kind of funky motion with his elbows and and uh, kind of angular body that is has to be difficult for the hitter to pick up the ball.
3: It, he, uh, I didn't realize he doesn't go to the meeting. He just says, uh, "Well, we're good here. No. We don't we don't have
2: to talk about this," which I really like because I mean, when I coached for Pete Rose, the first day that I uh, had the pitchers in the pregame meeting, I said, "Now." I said, this is going to be the shortest beating you've ever had at going over the hitters. I said, for as long as Abner Doubleday, when he invented the game, it's high and tight, low and away. Get your off-speed pitches over when you're behind in the count. Strike one is the most important pitch. If they're a pull hitter, we'll play them a step to pull. If they're not, we'll play them straight away or step the other way. Good luck and go get it. <laughs> that, that was it. And I, I really think the game was more enjoyable back then when we really kept it simple.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're good enough, if if they tell you to throw it uh, here against this hitter, if you're good enough to do that, uh, then you can throw it any. If, if you if you're good enough to throw it to an exact spot, then then you don't need some big report because you're you're
2: going to be a good yeah. pitcher execution will beat technology any day of the week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's true, but he's uh I, I wonder if he would have been come along years ago if somebody would have tried to straighten out that motion of his some old pitching coach or uh, did they appreciate Well, funky? It, you did know, they that's appreciate possible. funky.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know because I don't think uh years ago they were quite into the cookie cutter you know, motion—kind of comparing it yeah. to the golf swing. Nowadays, everybody is trying to have that perfect golf swing. Whereas years ago, guys just kind of went with what they had. So I, I never—I uh, just remember Jim Lemon uh, telling me, "said so, you know you're you, you got to speed up your motion. You know your motion's too deliberate." And but then when I'd hear Harmon Killebrew tell me that different hitters got on first base and they would say well his fastball is sneaky because his motion is so deliberate yeah right but the ball sneaks up on mm-hmm. you so uh you know you you have to be real careful about trying to change a guy who's been successful with what he's had whether it's in high school college or in the minor leagues
3: Hey Jim, uh, we just had a piece in the Star Tribune. Phil Miller did it on the uh, windup going away. Even with starting pitchers, the uh, you don't the elaborate windup uh, is is uh, kind of going away. A lot of a lot of a uh, lot of uh, starting pitchers, even when nobody's on base, pitching out of a modified version of the stretch.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't like that. I mean, I know watching my grandkids, they all are taught now to pitch. As if there's a man on base. Now you'll see Sale tonight. He pitches with what we'd call kind of a side saddle windup, but yes. he has a little bit of a kick start to it, and he uses his lower body real well. Where when you look at right now, he's on the disabled list this is Drew Pomeranz for the Red Sox. He's yeah. like six six, and he starts from that set position. And I just think uh, two things: they don't really get as much effort out of their front side as they as they should. I always thought that using that front side, you know, you kind of throw the glove at the hitter, and that was a bit deceptive, and it also gave you a little momentum or power with your motion, which took off a little pressure, you know, lessened the pressure on your arm. So I know they do that for control, but I, I think they're losing a lot. I think the last pitcher that I remember sort of using the full windup with their arms was Paul Byrd. I don't know if many people remember Paul sure. Byrd, but pitcher of the Philly, he was sometimes even double pump. And I, uh, as Johnny Sane told me years ago, he said, you get hitters out four ways. You know, if you're Koufax, Nolan Ryan, Clemens, <laughs> guys like that, you get them out with natural stuff. Yep. Not all of us have that. Then you get them out with movement, change of speeds, location, or motion and your motion can be very deceptive which is an asset to a pitcher and i don't think enough pitchers are taking advantage of that today
3: yeah that's uh it it is a interesting uh, transition that's for sure uh, my uh, son who's uh, quite a baseball fan is uh I was having lunch with a couple of days ago. He's convinced that we're uh, adding two miles an hour to everybody's velocity by where they are now measuring the speed from. That uh, earlier in its flight, it's not being measured at the plate. It's being measured... Uh, at at the apex, I guess, of its speed. Do you, I, I mean, I am seeing ninety eight for the other night. Waka was ninety six, and I, I've never seen him as a ninety six mile an hour pitcher. I, I think we got something going on here, velocity wise, beyond guys just throwing harder.
2: Well, I think your son's right. I think what everybody would be interesting to see if you go on. I think it's YouTube. It's about an hour and twenty minute documentary. I, I think you'd call it a documentary. It's called Fastball.
3: Okay. Yeah. And
2: they have they have hitters talking about how Goose Gossage's fastball was intimidating and Bob Gibson's and Sandy Koufax's. And then they have the technology guys talking about how, you know, when the ball comes out of the hand, you know, they may not pick it up till it's ten feet out, and so sometimes those miles per hour are not really true. I've always thought that. I mean, I was pitching for the Cardinals in nineteen eighty two when I was closing in on 44 years old. And we had a guy named Charlie Gelati who clocked the pitchers with a radar gun. So I come in with my usual, you know, half an inning, one inning, whatever, and uh, get done, come down the dugout. And Charlie had gone from behind the backstop around up the tunnel, called me down in the tunnel. He said, hey, I clocked you at 92 that inning. I said, Charlie, you see that trash can there? I said, throw that radar gun in that trash can. I said, I couldn't drive 92. <laughs> so so I, I think a lot of those are very, very deceptive. I, I, I think some of the things that have sort of uh, taken away the, the enjoyment of our game are the radar gun and all the analytics and launch angle and things like that. But I think your son is right on. I, I don't put a lot of credence in the what the radar guns show and what they actually are. Hey, Jim, uh, Joe Madden
3: this morning was unhappy about the split doubleheader that he, they're playing today, the Cubs, because they got a day game again tomorrow. Did Calvin invent it? Did we, did Calvin invent it here for the Yankees? I know the, uh, there's a couple of younger guys, historians, the twins who did a, Kind of a book on the early twins called Split Doubleheader uh, because of Calvin, but they, you didn't have many of those
2: until you got here, right? And then there would only be a couple of years. But uh, oh, I, I think I think that's accurate. I, and you know, Calvin did such a good job of selling that because his his motive was the Yankees are in town, yes. and I want to give more people an opportunity <laughs> to see the Yankees. Saturday, so we're going right. to play one game at one and yeah. one game at seven. So eighty eight thousand people will get to see the Yankees instead of forty four thousand. So I, I think you're right on. I don't remember playing any split double headers till the Yankees came to Minnesota.
3: Well, they had no idea the players uh, weren't weren't organized then, and they had no idea the monster they
2: were creating with these yeah. split double yeah, I really, uh, well, of course, I did that thing on shortening the game to seven innings, yes. and I think it'd be cool to have a, a a regular doubleheader with seven inning games because it would you know it would take probably the same amount of time might even take more time than we used to play uh two nine inning games in a doubleheader but uh, <laughs> that was such a nice thing for the fans
3: yeah and uh, minor leagues of course that's the way they do it they do play two seven sure. nine, eight, man. so you gotta get you, you said you don't have a game here for a couple more weeks huh
2: well, I got two of them next week. Okay. I have the Angels at the uh, Red Sox, and of course, we're disappointed that Otani will not be there yeah, for the Angels. Right. But uh, you know, you get to see guys like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts are two of the best all-around players in the uh, in the game. And then with my friend and colleague John Smoltz qualified for the u.s senior open golf tournament in colorado so they asked me if i could do the friday game in new york which will be red sox and yankees and i will do that so uh next week i have two red sox games
3: yeah well that's good and uh red sox yankees glad we can finally get a chance to see them on tv Jim. (laughs) (laughs) but uh hey those are two awful good clubs hey thanks for your time jim All right, Patrick. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. The great Jim Cott. We uh, will return. All right. Our boss here, Dan Seaman, is a Arlington guy. We don't hold it against him. Arlington, 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 Minnesota. They had some glory years in amateur baseball. The Arlington A's. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the late 60s, early 70s, Jim Stoll, Larry Clunder, and then later on in the 70s, Joe Driscoll, Duke O'Brien, a real collection of characters. And he was, they had a wake last night, Uh, Donnie Kubel died, Uh, he was 85 and he was one of the Arlington legends. Never be, you know, I'm not a guy who likes to go to wakes, but I wish I was at that wake. Oh, the stories. The Arlington guys were all telling stories about the glory days. And Larry Clunder became a baseball coach and a recreational director and big, strong, always in shape guy. And he shows up last night, he's 85 years old and he's still built like a brick outhouse and, and one of the younger guys, the 60-year-old the kids who were intimidated by him said, hey, Clunder, Someday we're gonna kick your rear end. We're gonna kick the hell out of you, Clunder. And he turned around, and says, "How about tonight?" Right. And uh, and, uh, the, oh. and and they said, "No, not, not yet. yet, not, not yet. yet. We're gonna wait." But it some night, Clunder, oh. we're gonna kick the hell out of you. How about tonight? There is
1: nothing better than oh, then, sitting in a oh. dugout listening to old guys talk town ball stories.
2: Oh and my God, I could do and it. And if day. you gotta
3: go to awake, there's nothing better than a storytelling wake with a bunch of guys sitting around telling stories and the Arlington A's had uh, they were they were the man they won I think five state titles in about a 15-year period but uh, they had two different sets of fantastic players and that's a great ballpark
1: too Mm -hmm. down there
3: they uh, you know they're they they had a little slip in the middle and then they put it back together they uh Apparently, if you uh, if you got a job at the cement factory in the you were in, in, in. summer, your hours were a little bit lax. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard this story a million times, but I don't
1: know if these two have. Tell them what the the story of the
3: uh, the the phone story with Driscoll. Driscoll, Joe, the great Joe Driscoll, my favorite all time amateur baseball player, played at Runway Red Wing last year, <laughs> one year, and. His home phone was the uh, pay phone at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is this where you live? Yep. Because <laughs> you know you have to live a within of a certain. Years later, mile. Yeah. he yeah. was. Uh, yeah, Billy Nelson was running the Dundas team, and Billy said he was building a treehouse for uh, in front of the front yard. That was going to be Driscoll's.
4: So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that for the kids? There's no, Driscoll. For Driscoll. His number was the payphone at the <laughs> bar. Oh <my> God, <laughs> it's
3: beautiful. He's also the guy and I hate to kill all this time, but uh, he's no, also good. the guy that uh, I went and wrote a column on him when he was fifty and he was retiring, and he was the the. The gal had been with him for like 20 years and married him a couple of years earlier. And his brother said the only reason she married him was beer cost a buck and a half for girlfriends and a buck for wives. <laughs> you could save 50 cents on beer. <laughs> Here's Johnny Height with the sports. Head.
0: Thanks, Patrick. This update <laughs> sponsored by UPSJobs.com. Want a great job with benefits? UPS is hiring part-time package handlers throughout the Twin Cities. $15 per hour and up to $25,000 in tuition assistance. Apply at UPSJobs.com. Twins open up a three-game series <laughs> against the Red Sox this evening at Target Field. Jose Barrios against Chris Sale. Uh, I know this will uh, surprise all of you, but the latest figures from the All-Star voting uh, show no Twins are
3: anywhere no, near the top not, even Ed, not even any of our Eddies. I suppose Escobar's not even on the ballot. He is
0: not Escobar not in the top five. We saw the top five of everything, but outfielders, Eddie Rosario's
3: number 12. Well, Eddie probably wasn't listed as a Twin starter. Yeah. Yeah. Escobar? Why? Because... Probably when they submitted the ballot, Polanco Ed was still on the ballot, I would think. Yeah, Maybe where, not. Where, what, I wonder what position yeah. they just stuck him at.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, well, when uh, I fill mine out online later, I'll yes. let you know if he's on there. Okay,
0: None mm-hmm. are in the top five. Eddie Rosario is 12th in the outfield vote. Uh, there is a former twin in the top spot for catchers in the American League. Ramos? Yeah. Wilson well, Ramos wow. just overtook Gary mm-hmm. Sanchez
3: uh, mm-hmm. there. So Sanchez he's having there. a terrible year. He's, uh, yeah,
0: he's confused.
3: It's it's a good <laughs> good that somebody's having a terrible year for that team. <laughs> You're Uh, going to win 110 minimum.
0: Afternoon, the Dodgers scored two runs with two outs in the ninth on a Kyle Farmer double to beat the Cubs Ooh. four to three. Uh, kind of fun game. I just sat and watched some highlights. A lot of Dodgers got thrown out because they oh, didn't, really? they didn't like the home plate umpire. Oh, he was, really? He was calling. Did we know who it was. Ah, uh, boy, I It was a kid, it was a just, young because
3: I saw the oh, highlights on the network. Yeah,
0: and saw his name. I don't remember it, but there were there were some pitches uh, just above the ankles that were <laughs> called strikes, and the Dodgers took exception. And to so that. how many got thrown out? Yeah. Well, we threw out Kemp. Uh, then we threw out Grandal, and then uh, while well, all that was happening, Dave Roberts got thrown out. <laughs> By the way, Kemp's having a really it's good a great, yeah. years, great yeah. year. Great,
4: I'd be curious to know if Tommy Lasorda were still managing the Dodgers how he would have
3: handled that game today. Profanely.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'd get a limousine to pick the mother bleeper up just so I could pitch against him. But- Minnesota links. A big, loudmouth mouthed <laughs> Minnesota Lynx in
0: action tonight. They're at home playing the Dallas Wings. We don't
3: have an edited version of that. Yeah, we played yes, we it do. last yeah. week, remember? Oh, I'd have to replay
0: it. Yeah, that the, might be my daily complaint yeah. the, that I wasn't around. <laughs> the best is when he uses the profanity as an adjective yes. for another profanity, <laughs> yes. which is just amazing. Well, it's an art form, John. It really is. ESPN, the magazine's body issue, comes out at the end of this month. Yes, there are a couple Minnesota athletes in the magazine. Carl Anthony Towns will be featured, as will Olympic cross-country skier Jesse Diggins. Something um, for everybody. That's right. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, taste. Let's call them tasteful nude and semi-nude
4: poses. Okay. Is how the athletes right. usually are. How
1: about fifteen hundred ESPN the body
4: issue? I oh. want Lin- let's
3: have Lindsay Pond make a comeback
4: too. I like. That, I think you know. we already had fifteen hundred ESPN the body
3: that's issue true. when,
5: like when the
4: Pat boys. and Rookie took that picture <laughs> yes. in the studio in honor of right. J.R.
3: Smith. Somebody asked me about that, and I said, well, I think uh, somebody asked Gardie if Ricey was in shape, and, Gar- Ricey, and Gardie says he's in, Ricey's in A shape. He's in A shape. <laughs> in A shape. Yes. Is this issue
0: replacing the swimsuit issue?
3: No, this, no, is, no, ESPN this is ESPN. They
0: do, they do this every year. It's so it's copying the yeah, swimsuit issue. Yeah, yeah, kind issue. of ripping it off. This but. is uh, number 10. This actually is the 10th anniversary okay, edition. Okay, anniversary. thanks, Sean. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. We'll <laughs>
4: better Hey, yeah, ask a question. Kenny, do you want a list of all the other uh, yeah, ones who have been on the previous got, in the past? We got traffic out there, Johnny, oh, so uh, that's, that's,
5: that's good enough. So <laughs> that's good enough.
0: Sitting shotgun on the Ride with Royce. Have a nice ride. On 1500 ESPN. The Ride with Royce now continues. Personal file, 69,
5: offense. He was giving them the business. It's time for Late. Hits. It was a, a hell of a uh, game. I mean, I mean, shit, uh, for, uh, 23 bucks. If you can get more excitement than that, uh, hell, you're in the wrong uh, operation. The hell of a hell of a game. And yeah, let me say something. It, as long as I'm in this fucking job, Snellker will be the offensive coach. I mean, no, no question about that. Uh, I don't like to name names after a fucking game. We can't be responsible for the blocking. We can't be responsible for the guys jumping offside. We can't be responsible for fuck. We get down there and and, uh, and it was a dumb play by by Anderson. I love I love Anderson, but it was a dumb fucking play when, he had, when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line screen. We were to take time out. We had a fucking trap play called, and and, he, and his, his fucking shoe comes off. That, that, that ain't that ain't Bob Schnotker's fault. We nope. have another fucking trap play, and, and if any picks up his fucking feet, he walks in. We got the fucking chance to uh, 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 AC out there in the flat. He's a yeah. ball thrown and in, in, in long. <laughs> That well, isn't is snoker's fault. Uh, so, and, and so uh,
3: Mike Opat, years. I've gotten to know him well since he basically oh got God. Target Field built, right? And he and Thibodeau <laughs> go back to Harvard. Uh, Opat was there. I'm still listening to this. In- <laughs> Opat was there as a graduate assistant and, and uh, Tibbs was an assistant coach uh, at Harvard and they played noon ball together and became buddies. So, anyway... Old Pat Thibodeau and I go to dinner last night, okay. and uh, and the it's just a wide-ranging uh, conversation. It's not an interview. It's not for a column. We're just BS, and it's a social event. And but he's asking me about guys, and he said, "How well do you know Jerry Burns?" And I said, "Very well. One of the five greatest guys that was ever walked the earth." He said. I heard that interview of his when he's talking about Schnellker, and he just started laughing, thinking about it. Thibbs laughing. Thibbs laughing. Said it was the greatest thing he'd ever heard in his life, and he couldn't believe it. And so that's, uh, that's why I bring that up. Even Thibbs. Uh, couldn't, help but, uh, his, uh, uh, couldn't help but laugh his Tibbs couldn't help laugh his ass Because he can probably that. relate. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I don't think like that. It's uh, I, I, I don't think he could get himself that worked up. I, I really don't because, you know, he just thought of, he's certainly more cautious than Burns is. But in all of the ones we've heard, Lee Ilya mm-hmm. uh, Earl Weaver sort of Good Kurt Bavakwa, the whole thing. <laughs> this is
5: this is this is hard to beat. Can, oh, give you, can, can to we beat. give
1: the audience fifteen more seconds? Sure. Yes.
5: Yeah. A great catch by Hassan. We did. The guys didn't give up. A great catch by Hassan. This game reminds me of, of a, a Cleveland Brown game when we went down to the old Met Center when when we throw the ball center <laughs> he lateral the ball to Teddy. Brown ran out out of bounds. Out of bounds. <laughs> Made a Great play. The next one we hit we hit uh, Ahmad on a squadron right, put it in, and won the uh, division. Jerry, you're your endorsement
3: you the guy feel like shit at me. Some jackass had to ask him another question about Some local about had to Your endorsement. Snow. Oh my God. And you just winding them up all over again. Okay, so I got to carry on. I guess uh, the today's late hits are going to be uh, storytelling time. So uh, uh, I, 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 tw- I tweet out that, you know, Thibodeau, I said, the, I got one scoop from Thibodeau, Thibodeau. He thinks that the Jerry Burns <laughs> tirade on schnauker is the greatest thing he ever heard in his life, right? He, mm-hmm. He's So then a guy from uh, who used to work at Channel 11 texts me uh, or puts on Twitter that, now he thought Channel 11's the only one that had it, but the great Richie, the late great Richie Nestle, the photographer from, he said he'll never forget the look on Richie's face when he came in to the back to the office that day at at channel 11 and said, you can't believe what we got on this tape (laughs) here, which of course reminded me of 1980. Uh, Richie liked his cocktails and Steve Pacenta uh, was the, the number two guy at channel 11. Okay. And it was the night that uh, Ralph Sampson and, um, and uh, Randy, Brewer. Randy Brewer played in the NIT finals. Mm-hmm. And we went out to Winter Park to watch it. Somehow we went out there for dinner and then we went out to watch it. And I hope to hell we had a camp. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was. This is before you I, had taken I, the cure. I know it was a close game. Yeah, it was one of the reasons I did take it. <laughs> but uh, we came back and now we're, it's, you know, only like 2.30 in the morning, and I happen to have some alcohol in my room, so we're still drinking. <laughs> and Steve did a fantastic impersonation of Freddie Goodwin. And he had a little what? book, and he had like Rosen's number and, and whoever was here at Joe Channel Schmatt 5. Or I whatever. don't Joe was here in 80. Mark Curtis? 80. Might have been, whoever okay. it was. He had like Gilliland, probably Channel okay. 9. And we decided that at 2.30 in the morning... Freddie should call up these anchor guys and complain about a lack of kicks coverage. <laughs> <laughs> so so Steve started calling up. All calling up these guys, the wife and answer the phone, you know, groggy. And he'd get Rosen on the phone and say, What are you going to do his Freddie? When are you going you know, to friend, you gonna start giving us the coverage we need? And, and he had to make three or four phone calls. Oh, uh, my God. And that uh, was one of the greatest nights of my life. Uh, Richie's no longer uh, with us, and Stevie was uh, went down to Phoenix. He was, God, he was a good guy. Went down to Phoenix. He's driving to RFK Stadium for a Cardinals game, and I think they'd just gotten down there. And he's looking around for the stadium, and he goes through a stop sign, and he gets uh, some guy plows in. Oh, you're kidding, 40 years old, couple of kids, wife, great gal. Yeah, he got killed in a car accident. So, uh, but... uh, I will uh, never forget that day, of game, <laughs> that night, or the hangover the next day. It might have been that.
1: a brutal one. Now, did did uh, were the you know was Mark Rosen and everybody were they all filled in on the fact that it was. Well, I you think guys after a while
3: them? they figured out they were being spoofed. Okay. They might have even known that Steve had this Freddie Goodwin impersonation to begin with. But when okay. you get awakened at two thirty in the morning <laughs> with Freddie bitching about the kicks coverage, it was uh, that was pretty damn good. So I'll wait a minute. That.
1: So this was Cheryl Reeve before she had the you know before she called out people for the lack of coverage.
3: Same kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. Freddie was, see, because they were, you know, they'd been hot, and now they were going downhill. They were going to hell, you know, and I think that might have been their last year. They were going, so Freddie had a (laughs) legitimate complaint, (laughs) even though it wasn't Freddie. Uh, We'll be back. Now, on the Ride with Royce, let's hear the boys' daily complaints. Manny Hill, what you got?
4: All right, so about uh, 12 minutes ago we played the uh, wonderful uh, Jerry Burns rant and you know we were talking about how you know you can't it's hard to beat it. I think that's the thought locally here but I don't think Burns' rant gets enough attention nationally. Yeah, and it I should think you're get a lot right. more oh, attention yeah, because, nationally cause because cause it's really it really is so underrated. spontaneous. Yes, is, and yeah. it was after a win. too. Yes, that's
3: what makes yes, it so great. Yes. Uh, I think somebody asked, "Bernsie, did you win?" He said, "Yeah, I think yeah. so." Yeah, I think we here. did. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I echo Manny's thoughts because I want to say, "Kurt, bleep, and Bavakwa." I
0: have never ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a one hundred and thirty hitter like Lafay or Bavakwa, who could hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I carry I you this: when I pitched and I was going to pitch against a team that had guys on it like Babaqua I sent a limousine to get the to make sure he was in the lineup because
3: I kicked that man any day in a week. He's a f***ing f***ing big mouth. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, <laughs> thanks, Tommy. I'll be a little more serious with my complaint. Oh, ESPN today. I turn over my shoulder. NFL. We are breaking down the Madden ratings for oh the NFL oh, oh, as God. though it's analysis of the NFL. And uh, I, you know who else I want to rip? Judd. Judd's got a piece up. On should the wild consider replacing Boudreaux with Trot? Oh, <laughs> we wanted Boudreaux, we wanted Boudreaux, Judd. You've got Mr. Panic nuts. is in He's full breath mode, also. Should we consider poor boots? What boots do?